text this morning is Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath we are overwhelmed. You have, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of your life of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80, if we are strong. <clears throat> Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. So... Teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have a compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of our hands. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, I'm glad you made the effort to come out on this first Sunday of January. A little bit of snow there. How do we react to a first snowfall? That's always a challenge. So thank you for coming. Pray that uh, we'll have a sense of God's presence with us as we are, are meeting today. And if you're visiting with us, you haven't been here for a little while, we welcome you, we welcome you. So the title here is called The Presence and Absence of God, Psalm 90. And uh, I'm going to do a few sermons over the next bit um, on that theme, the presence and absence of God. And this psalm is, is along that line. You can hear some of the, you know, the strong lines in there, kind of wondering where God is at. And so we know that God is always there, but in our daily experience, at times we feel his presence, and at times we feel more 
of his absence. And that is not unique to us. The, the psalmists have the same experience. Margaret Avison has a poem called Winter Sun. Bonnie made allusion to the gray days that we've had for a while. And it's true, right? We had a stretch of gray days. I don't think sun popped through at all over Christmas, more or less. It's there, we know, and we have a sense of it being there, but we don't have blue skies. Avison called that the winter sun. So the winter sun is, it's there, but it's always not powerful and strong for us to see. It certainly isn't blue skies. And so some of our psalms represent this winter sun. And that's kind of where we're at with Psalm 90. As also Bonnie noted, it's, it's attributed to Moses, right? So in the top there's a heading and it says it's by Moses. And it probably is a reference back to Deuteronomy chapter 34, where Moses is at the end of his life and he goes up to um, Mount Nebo. Some of you have been to Mount Nebo. Arlene, you've been to Mount Nebo, looking out over the valley, looking out into the promised land. And that's where Moses ends his life. It's at the end of leading the children of Israel for 40 years through the wilderness. And he comes right up, right up to the promised land. You know the story. And even though he is strong at that point, he is not the one who finally goes into the promised land. And we know that Joshua is the one. And so that prayer in Deuteronomy 34 sort of sets this up because it's looking out over the promised land. There's a vision of hope, but yet he's not going. And then so for us, here we start a new year. It's full of hope, full of possibilities. Lots that we can do and achieve, perhaps. Go forward, your dreams for this year, your resolutions for this year. All of that. So lots stretching out before us. But nevertheless, there is the winter sun. So that's a challenge as we begin this, this year. Hope, possibilities, but also the challenges that maybe you're facing right here in the moment over the next number of weeks. But that's where this psalm begins. Presence and absence of God. So I think there's something here for us as we look at it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are gone. And so as we begin that, verses 1 and 2, it's a reminder. So the psalm begins very positively. It's going it's to show other things soon, but it begins right here. You have been our dwelling place. You have been our refuge. You have been our shelter. We just finished singing, shelter. You have been that shelter for us for many, many years, from generation from the generation. And indeed, through this whole psalm, there is the background of time. The word time is not used necessarily. But all 17 verses have reference to time. So we're beginning this new year in time. This is your moment in, under the sun, 
Annie Dillard says, your moment, my moment, under the sun, it's a fleeting moment, psalmist tells us, but nevertheless, this is our moment, so the time sense is all there for us through the entire psalm. But God, you have been our refuge from generation to generation. All the members of your family going back. When did God break into your family? Maybe you're the first Christian in your family. I don't know. Maybe your parents are Christians. Maybe your grandparents were Christians. Maybe your grand-grandparents were Christians. Where did it break in? Where did God break into your family tree? From generation to generation, the psalmist says, Moses says, God has been faithful. So in this sense of time, God has been our shelter. God has been our refuge. God has been our home. And so the word for Lord here is Adonai. God is Adonai. God is creator and Lord of all. He is sovereign Lord. When Adonai is used, God as creator, Lord of all. And so in that, in that mindset, we have references to God creating the mountains, to the valleys, God as creator. I told the story when we were in Bolivia not too long ago. We were traveling from Sucre to Cochabamba. We were driving, and all of a sudden we came across this huge valley. It just went for miles and miles and miles and miles, high up, 10,000 feet in altitude, this great plateau in the, in the Andes. And to my amazement, it was full of animals, but not cattle. They were llamas, thousands and thousands, literally, of llamas, we saw them. And the valley just kept going. We kept driving, and the valley kept going, kept going, kept going. More llamas, more llamas, more llamas. God is creator of all. It kind of blew me away. To them, of course, if you're down there in Bolivia, it makes total sense. Not thousands of cattle, but thousands of llamas. The point being, God is our home. That's where the psalmist wants to go right here in the beginning. God is your refuge. God is my refuge. He is your dwelling place. He ultimately is your home. That's what Moses wants to get across to us, to his people, as they look into the promised land. Where is your home ultimately? It's not the promised land. <laughs> You're going there, and we've been promised that forever and forever. Your real home is God. Adonai. Adonai is your shelter. And I think we need that. I think that's a very central statement. What is your baseline? What is your foundation as you move into this year? What is it? Well, ultimately, it's not where you live. It's not your house or your apartment or wherever. It's not really your job. It's not even your family. Of course, that's dear, isn't it? That's incredibly important. But the deepest foundation is our relationship to God. It's creature to creator. And it's in that reality that we're called to live, to trust and have faith in God for me through the ups and downs of life. That's what Moses wants to say. God for you. God your home. Today, people are moving from all over the world, right? Where everybody's crisscrossing everywhere crisscrossing in terms of new lands, new places to live, crisscrossing also in terms of travel. 
So it's a new age today, right? Back in Ireland in the old days, man, it was, it, you never got out of your village, right? You never got 30 miles to the next town. It's just like you might, maybe in your whole life, you may never have visited that town. It's 30 miles away, walking. And now we go everywhere. So our true home is God. That's, that's our invitation. Lord, you have been our dwelling place, but that's your choice. You need to choose that. You need to embrace it, and then to fill it with meaning. So will we fill it with meaning? Be in conversation. Whether it's words or not, your heart, heart to heart, face to face. The I-thou relationship, will we enter into that? That's where I believe Moses writes. After this, we're told that he, he goes up into the mountains. He's still very, very strong. And he goes up and he ends. His life is ended somehow. We're not told how. No one knows where he lived. Died in that sense. No one knows. Moses, God is our dwelling place, he says. Goes on, you turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. A long-suffering God, I would say here. So God is our sheltering God. Now the tone changes a bit as we move forward in the psalm. Humanity is fleeting. We are like dust. We are like grass. We are like a dream in the night. You wake up and have weird dreams. Beth and I sometimes talk about the weird dreams we've had the night before. Beth is going through a chunk. Where are you, Beth? Right There you are. <laughs> we've been having some weird dreams. There you go, weird dreams. Our life is like a dream in the night. So Moses writes, but yet God is permanent. A day is like a thousand years. So we got a sense of the fleeting nature of our lives, right? God is our home, but now our lives are a little bit fleeting. Secondly, we're told that God knows all about our iniquities, our secret sins. We are sinners. We are broken. We mess up, don't we? The Bible recognizes that. But the beauty about it is that we are still in this I-thou relationship. Through it all, we are still in relationship with God. I-thou. It's not like God says, oh, you sinned, so now you're off. You're out of it. X, over you. God ex anticipates this. He expects it. He knows we are like grass. We are like dust. Sin will happen in some nature. But we are still in that I-thou relationship. Still knowing that God is our God. And so here we get this sense of absence, perhaps. A sense of distance. Adam and Eve sin. What happens? They're booted out of the garden. They're not booted out of a relationship with God, but they are out of that garden. And so our own sin can create mess-ups. And even apart from sin, we can go into these valleys psychologically, emotionally, theologically, when we are down, and it's this absence of God. 
You know, we could go around the room and who's, who feels the fullness of God right now? Who feels the absence of God? Some would be the absence. It's, it's, it's the way it is. So we talk about the seasons of faith. We have the winter season. We have the spring season. We have the summer season. We have the fall season. But there is that winter season. There is that time when the winter sun. We have the winter sun. And so whatever season we are in, we know that God is still present with us, even though we may feel his absence at this moment in time. So I think Moses is saying, in the challenges of life. So in light of that, we are to count our days, to live with discernment. To recognize that God is still there in the midst of it all. And it pushes us forward to that verse in verse 12, which is a key verse. This is where it is leading up to in this part. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Through all the ups and downs of life, through the ups and downs of this winter season, of season of absence, help us to gain a wise heart heart a wise heart so what is that wise heart for you and for me it's interesting there's a, there's a lot of energy in this psalm if you're working with the NIV you don't see it so much but in the KJV and the NRSV there is a four at the beginning of verse four for a thousand years in your sight for Verse 7, for we are consumed by your anger. Verse 9, for all our days pass away. And why that's important is they're not acting just as conjunctions there, but it's moving the psalm forward. There's all these fours are pushing us ahead. NIV chooses to go a different direction with it. This energy pushing us so that we will count our days and live in wisdom. So in 2024, 2024, here we are, may we have wisdom that we might count our days wisely. That's where Psalm 90 is leading in this middle section, and that's where Moses goes. And then we have the ending, turn, O Lord, how long? In verse 3, I think, we're told, turn earlier. You turn us back to dust. Now the psalmist says, turn, O Lord, you turn. How long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So it ends with God's steadfast love. Begins with sheltering. You are our dwelling place, our home. You are our home. Two, you are our home through it all, all through our mess-ups. You are still our home. And then it ends with this steadfast love. Turn, O God, towards us in compassion. May we know your fullness. May we know your presence and not your absence. That's Moses' heart cry as he ends this statement, his last message to his people. Live in hope. Live in trust. And indeed, may we rejoice in your love. Love there in verse 14 is kessed. It is God's loving kindness. It is his steadfast love. After the message, we're going to sing unfailing love. God's love, his love for you, his love for me. May we know your love. May I know your love in 2024. May I know that, that you are for me 
In spite of everything, you are for me. You are there for me, the I-thou relationship. And then it ends here, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of our hands. Let the favor, even stronger could be, let the delight of the Lord our God be upon us. And where does it end? It ends with a cry that God will prosper the work of our hands. That God is interested in the work of your hands. Whatever you are about. Whatever your work is. Victor Frankl, we referenced him a few weeks back, and, and, and Frankl says that one of the ways of meaning in our lives is through some creative work. Meaning, what is your work? Whatever that might be. What is your work? What is your creative work? When he went into the Nazi camps, he, he had his, a book that he had been working on. And he had some manuscripts, and he sewed it into his jacket. And he was going to try to get all the way through the war with this manuscript in his jacket. Unfortunately, the first day he went in, they were stripped and all the clothes went away. He lost his, he lost his libretto right off the top. But he remembered it in his head. And later on, he did write it. And he says that work of creativity helps to give us meaning. For you and for me. Could be gardening. Could be working on a... We have friends and the guy lives down in the east, uh, or at least in the summertime, down in Nova Scotia, and he's built this big garage. He used to work in the university. He was an academic, an administrator. Now that he's out of that, his creative work has been building this fancy garage. And it's fancy. And he designed it, and he built it, he did the whole thing. And that is giving him a sense of meaning and purpose for whoever we are, whatever that might be. So God is not indifferent to our concerns. He is not indifferent to our work. He's not indifferent to your work, whatever that might be. Not indifferent to our project next door. God is interested in this. He's concerned about this. He wants this to happen in your life in 2024. So can we keep going in trust and giving that to God that he is there for you, for me? He's not disinterested. I find it interesting that that's where this psalm ends. Why is God concerned about the work of our hands? He's got a whole universe to take care of. But he's interested in your work, in your hands, my work. So go for, going forward as we end, here we go. Well, we have four points. One, we have time now. The whole psalm is about time. You have an opportunity now. This is your day under the sun. What are you going to do under your son, this son, for you? Your opportunity, your kairos moment. Remember, there's chronos time, clock time, there's kairos time, special time. All of that is your time here and now. So we're invited not to waste that. It's a gift. Let's embrace it. Days are fleeting. What are you going to do with your time? That's what the psalmist is saying. So make the most of it. Secondly, in our littleness, it always puzzles me that Jesus lives for 33 years. 
and he spends 30 years in Nazareth, essentially. That's where he is, this little town. Not even mentioned in the Old Testament, Nazareth. But Jesus spends all that time there. His dad was a carpenter. He learned carpenter work. Carpenter in that day was wood, but also stone. Jesus worked in those ways. He was a tradesman. He was a journeyman in that sense. That's what Jesus was. Worked. He says at one point, take my yoke upon you. Jesus made plenty of yokes. He made them. People would come and say, I need a new yoke for my oxen. Jesus would say, I'll make that for you. He takes time and he shapes this yoke. He knows. So Jesus in his Nazareth, and for the last three years of his life, he goes out and does his, his main work. So what's he learning for 30 years? What is his heart teaching him for 30 years? And you and I have our littleness. You and I have our Nazareth. What will we do with our Nazareth? So Nazareth is a symbol, you see. It's there for you, for me. What will we do with it? And all of that leads us to Jesus. When we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the sense of presence and fullness in God is found in Jesus Christ. That's the New Testament. That's the New Covenant. We're going to celebrate that in a moment. There's the Old Covenant, Old Testament. Jesus says, I come and give you a new covenant. So he is that sense of fullness and presence. Remember, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? God in those three roles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And for us in our day, we are invited to know God through his Son, Jesus. Jesus is the face of God amongst us. So let's look to Jesus. It's not always praying to God. God, 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 God. What about Jesus? See, Jesus is an invitation to you and me to know God even more in a deeper way. Otherwise, why does Jesus even come? If it all is just God, well, what's, what's the bother? But God comes in his son, Jesus, for a reason, for a purpose. It's interesting, the, the word for God in the middle parts of this text, Psalm 90, is Yahweh. And Yahweh, it goes from Adonai to Yahweh back to Adonai. So in the middle, Yahweh is God in relationship to his people. Yahweh has that sense. It is connected, I, thou, in a particular way. And so Moses is recognizing that, and our thou is Jesus, I, thou. Get to know God in Christ. That's the invitation for us. I don't know if you do that. Bet you if you do it, if I do it, we get a closer sense of God's fullness and presence. So here we are. We go into the new year. The new year is there. We're given the gift of time for how long we have. Who knows how long that is? Anything can happen in 12 months. But nevertheless, that's your gift for you, for me, May we receive that gift and give it to God. Give it back. Give it back. Live fully. Enjoy your day. Delight in God. May we find favor in you. Delight in you. And know his fullness. Know his fullness. 
Is that interesting to you? Do you, do, do you want that? Do you want that? I hope you do. Fullness, the presence of God in Jesus. Claim it. Whatever challenges you have, God is our true home. He is our loving home. May we know him. May we thank him. May we praise him, serve him in this coming year. Amen.